Good afternoon. Uh, can't. Good afternoon. Welcome X2M 146. Quant Pulse. Habakkuk. Let's begin. Habakkuk 3. The vision of the divine warrior. This is the prayer of Habakkuk the prophet. Lord, I've heard the report of what you did. I'm awed, Lord, by what you've accomplished. In our time, repeat those deeds, and in our time, reveal them again. But when you cause turmoil, remember to show us mercy. God comes from Teman, the sovereign one from Mount Paran. His splendor covers the skies, his glory fills the earth. He is bright as lightning, a two-pronged lightning bolt flashes from his hand. This is the hour display of his power. Plague goes before him, pestilence marches right behind him. He's taking up his battle position, shakes the earth. With a mere look, he frightens the nations. The ancient mountains disintegrate. The primeval hills are flattened. He travels on the ancient roads. I see the tents of cushion overwhelmed by trouble. The tent curtains of the land of Midian are shaking. Is the Lord mad at the rivers? Are you angry with the rivers? Are you enraged at the sea? Is this why you climb into the horse-drawn chariots, your victorious chariots? Your bow is ready for action. You commission your arrows. You cause flash floods on the earth's surface, and when the mountains see you, they shake. The torrential downpour sweeps through. The great deep shouts out. It lifts its hands high. The sun and the moon stand still in their courses. The flash of your arrow drives them away. The bright light of your lightning quick spear. You fiercely, fiercely stomp the earth. You angrily trample down the nations. You march out to deliver your people, to deliver your special servant, to strike the leader of the wicked nation, laying him open from the lower body to the neck. You pierce the heads of warriors with a spear. They storm forward to scatter us. They shout with joy as they are plundering the poor with no opposition, but you trample on the sea with your horses, on the surging, raging water. And I listen. And my stomach churned. The sound made my lips quiver. My frame went limp as my bones were decaying, and I shook as I tried to walk. I long for the day of distress to come upon the people who attack us. But even if the fig tree does not bud, and there's no grape on the vines, and when the olive trees do not produce, and the fields yield no crops, when the sheep disappear from the pen and there is no cattle in the stalls, I will rejoice. I will rejoice because of the Lord, and I will be happy because of the God who delivers me, the Sovereign Lord. The Sovereign Lord is the source of my strength. He gives me the agility of a deer. He enables me to negotiate the rugged terrain. 
This is the prayer of the song leader, accompanied by the string instruments. Amen.
any issue in uh, this room, if you've been having an issue with indigestion, uh, stomach pain, um, weight loss, uh, jaundice, uh, loss of appetite, uh, any kind of like diagnosing of a, a diabetic di uh, diagnosis, if you're having problems digesting your food, 
If you feel or you, you've been sick or you're having issue with any kind of blood clotting or feeling very fatigued, uh, I want you to uh, come forward so we can pray over you. Any of these uh, symptoms, indigestion, stomach or back pain, uh, rapid weight loss, jaundice, losing your appetite, any kind of like uh, diagnosing for a di diabetes, you've had a problem in your food digestion, you've been feeling sick, having blood clots or being very fatigued, please come forward. If you feel led for those who have come forward, I want you to come and lay hands on them and pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for releasing healing in this room today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Just stay here with the Lord for the movement of healing. Yes, Lord. Take a deep breath. 
everything's okay. Yes, just take a deep breath. Everything's going to be fine. Yes.
Psalms 5, listen to what I say, Lord, and carefully consider my complaint. Pay attention to my cry for help, my King and my God, for I'm praying to you. Lord, in the morning you will hear me. In the morning I present my case to you. And I'm waiting expectantly for an answer. Certainly, you are not a God who approves of evil. Evil people cannot dwell with you. Arrogant people cannot stand in your presence. You hate all who behave wickedly. You destroy the liars. The Lord despises violent and deceitful people. But as for me, because of your great faithfulness, I will enter your house. But as for me, because of your great faithfulness, enter in. Enter into the house of the Lord. I bow down. Remove the obstacles in the way in which you are guiding me. For they do not speak the truth, and their stomachs are like the place of destruction. 
and their throats are like the open grave. Their tongues like a steep slope leading into it. Condemn them, O God. May their schemes be their downfall. Drive them away because of the many acts of insurrection, for they've rebelled against you. Lord, clear our atmosphere because of your faithfulness, because of your loving kindness, because your life is better than my life, but your life is the life that you give. Your life is eternal, Lord. You're holy. who take shelter in you are happy. May they continually shout for joy. I pray for your sheltering presence in this place right now, Lord, so that those who are loyal to you may rejoice. Certainly, Lord. Certainly. Certainly you reward the godly, Lord. And like a shield, you protect us. Protect us with your good favor.
the shield of faith. Raise high the shield of faith. He's a covert. He's a covert in the midst of the storm. He's our shelter. Who is like our rock? Raise high. Raise high the shield of faith. a shelter like our God. Climb, climb, climb. Up into the heavens, up into the heavens. Go up, go up, go up. said to me your enemy is hurling stones at you he's hurling stones to block and build an obstacle to your path and he reminds me of the woman who was caught in adultery and he says you who are without sin cast the first stone remind me of David coming back across or crossing over to the brook Kidron when Shimei is casting stones 
making accusations. The accuser is throwing out accusations against the Lord's people. And this is how we turn this. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourself. It's not of me. It's because of him. It's because of the righteousness of the man Jesus. And our enemy can take that message. For grace, for because of grace, because of him, because of his one sacrifice and his one offering, that's the path. That's what I stand on. The Lord, the Lord is our rock. The Lord is our salvation. The Lord, the Lord. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord, my righteousness. Lord, my rock. He is my hiding place. He is my shelter. He is my cover in the storm.
without you Without you I trip on all the obstacles I never make it to the end But with you I've run the race And with you You bandage all the wounds And healing comes
slow it down Because he chose you while you were enemies to him And I believe that your light is shining Even though all my eyes see is darkness I believe that your glory is falling Even though all I feel is brokenness And I will, I will boast in the foolish argument You're made strong in my weakness So I will rely on
shadows of the dawn We will see scars you wear upon your heart they remind me that we will never be apart from that hill you went down to the front line Taking nothing but the bread and the wine Worthy is the Lamb of God Worthy is His name carried our sins away blood was shed but only your own could pay the debt that perfect love was owed 
lifting up my eyes to that hill the Lamb of God is on the throne now revealed
I think this is really apropos. I, we've had a number of our young people in here having visions, and um, uh, Drew Bryant in the back with when Nathan's had vision this morning, and I, I really think it is, and he does too, and I, and I think he's right. It's apropos to what may be happening in here, and so I'm gonna, I'm gonna read you his vision. He just sent this to me because it, it really matches what. I think what we're up here experiencing and, and uh, what I, I haven't experienced with. And so I, I like what he's, he's got here. He says, oh, okay, I got a vision. I was traveling in a tunnel, and I could see out of the tunnel, which is new for me. The tunnel was in the sky. And I was in the wind tunnel in the sky looking over a really dark, like, manufactured place, and it was just awful, and the clouds were so dark. Uh, before before our event began, I, I asked Charles Dillon, I said, what do you think is going on today? He said, we have a clear path. And he, you said to me, you said, uh, uh, there, there'll be a cloud that'll try to present, uh, but we'll just 
you know, we'll, we'll go on through that. And, um, and so Drew's picking up the same kind of imagery. I'm having the imagery that we've come up to like a opaque kind of place and in the worship and that there's a place through. It's like we've come up to the edge of like a barrier in uh, the heavens. I, what I'm going to do this morning, I'm going to give an explanation on how I was prepped for this event by the Lord. And then uh, it will interact with the Lord in relation to this. So going back to what Drew was saying, the wind tunnel takes me up through the clouds. I kind of sit there for a bit. And he says, and it's like a massive green tree shows up under me. And like he says, six angels or white beings pulled away the clouds in opposite directions, showing a perfectly green and bright world that is so much better. And so uh, Drew seeing a picture, again, of a darkness and a manufactured place, and then he's having another aspect show up to him where he's seeing a bright world that's better. Um, And over the picture, I saw hundreds of letters scrambled up, and they all came together to make uh, Hezekiah. And uh, so I turned to Isaiah 37, and I received, let's see, someone else sent me in what they received. This is good. This is good. I read about King Hezekiah and the passage and the vision have a, a correlation. Um, he said he believes he's pretty sure it's about God raising a remnant in a new city that will possibly undergo a, a great uh, change. Thank you for your application, Drew. And then King Hezekiah, when you read Isaiah 37, and, and this was mentioned, I think, last week, is when Sennacherib is... Uh, going to, he's doing siege warfare. Uh, he's coming around uh, the southern kingdom in Judah. And normally, you know, because what had happened in the northern kingdom is Assyria had come and attacked the northern kingdom. And, you know, the Omri uh, dynasty, which came out of Ahab, they had carried them off into captivity. And Sennacherib was kind of a bold rascal. And he thought, well, you know, I'm going to go down there and I'm going to take out the Jerusalem Band And so he goes down to what he did in his day. He did what's called siege warfare. And they would surround a city completely and cut off its water supply and its food supplies and try to cut off external communication to attack that, to attack that city. And this is what's going on in Hezekiah's day. Uh, Hezekiah is dealing with this. And apparently this, he says some things, and it's interesting what he says, uh, and I, especially with the birth of uh, Star Child last week, and if, if you don't know that story, I would recommend you go listen to last week. I mean, you can watch it on YouTube, but listen to the X2M 145 uh, message. But he says this in um, Isaiah 37, when a, ba- a baby is ready to leave the birth canal, but the mother lacks the strength to push it through. Perhaps the Lord your God will hear all these things the chief advisor has spoken on behalf of his master, the king of Assyria, who sent him to taunt the living God. And so, um, again, it's apropos to what's going on in the event. We get into worship. The Holy Spirit speaks to me. He says, your enemy is throwing obstacles or throwing stones at us to attack the work of the Lord that's happening uh, among us for the Lord to raise up a remnant in a city, uh, Zion. And uh, because you as a people have departed from Sinai, 
believing in the righteousness of Jesus, trusting in the full provision of the Lord, not doing out your own energy and effort. That's what, you know, the Sinai kind of picture is. I'm coming into believing that the Lord is running, us running these events, and we're completely submitted to the Holy Spirit. Uh, we've come to Zion, the city of the great king. And so to back out of this a little bit from last week, I just want to share the profile of what I believe is going on with us because we need a context. Apparently, the Lord, even last week, you've got to give the people a context so that we can go forward. And so let me attempt this. Last week, we had launched out in Psalms 47. When we launched out, the event was kind of like, eh, sort of like goes off like that. And then I said to the Lord, or the Lord says to me, he says, I'm going to blow in from the side of the north. Now, when I heard the Lord say that, I'm going to blow in from the side, I am immediately in Isaiah 14, in the five I wills of Lucifer. And if, if you're not familiar with that, Lucifer goes through his five I will statements, and he says, you know, basically, I will ascend, I will ascend above the stars, I will set up a seat in the divine council. I will ascend above that, and then I will make. I will become like the Most High or El Elyon. He goes through this five I will uh, process, and so when I heard the Lord said, "I'm gonna blow in from the side of the north," I didn't want to speak about our enemy in the context of this event. I wanted to because I, I felt something sort of insidious or this slight like a deception that was trying to, to come in. And so I asked the Lord, because this is the way you deal with your enemy, because the Lord modeled this for us, you counteract him with the word of God. And so the way we deal with, a, with our enemy is we bring the word of God to him. And I said, well, if this wind is blowing in from the side of the north and it was sort of an eerie kind of feeling up here. And I go over to Steve and I said, you feel that? He's like, yeah. And I was like, I was like, I've got to get the word of the Lord on this. And so I, I come back and I stand here. I said, Lord, uh, help me. And so he takes me by looking at this side of the north imagery, and it takes me to Psalms 48.2. And so, so let's, uh, we can look at that here in short order, uh, Psalms 48.2. And there's, you know, different translations on this. And the Amplified, out of the Amplified Classic, the son of Korah is proclaiming, great is the Lord. And so he's proclaiming the greatness of the Lord, highly to be praised in the city of our God, his holy mountain. And then he, he says, and he moves the imagery over, fair and beautiful in elevation is the joy of the earth. He calls this place Mount Zion, the city of David. And then he says something interesting on the northern side. Uh, where Mount Moriah is in the temple, the uh, whole city of the great king. And God has, he says, God has made himself known in the palaces as a refuge or as a tower or a strong tower. And so we move into that. And then, and then let me show you this so that you can see the demonstration of this out of Isaiah 14. Uh, look with me at verse 13. Speaking of, well, let's look at 12. How have you fallen from heaven, O light bringer and day star, son of the morning? 
how you've been cut down to the ground, you who weaken and laid low the nations. And he says, and you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the uttermost north. And so this imagery is in that third I will statement. And so we have our enemy, and he's saying, I want to set up my position to govern and rule out of the sides of the north, which would be in this way uh, Mount Zion. So, and he says, I will ascend to the heights of the clouds. And this is um, where I want to begin today. And I, I want us to look at some passages, and I'm, I'm calling it the heights and the fourth I will. The name, the proper name of this event, and I, I want to tell a little backstory on that, is, is called uh, X2M 146, means exit to millennium, 146, quant pulse, or quantum pulse. And something that the Lord uh, names these events, and so I'm, we're very dependent on him to be able to tell us what to do. So I, I want to go through a little bit of what happened with me this week and the way the Lord was helping me to interact. Because last week, if you were in this event, you'll remember at the end of the sermon or at the end of uh, the talk, uh, I'm going to get up here and I'm going to say he's the regenerator and the Spirit of God is going to flush the room hard. And, uh, And I'm going to heal at the level of the bone marrow. The movement of the Spirit is profound in this atmosphere. So much so that I, I was like, we've went into a different atmosphere than uh, we've interacted with before. And I was asking the Lord, what is that atmosphere? And he says, that is what's called the heights or this place of a place that is over and above the, the place of the enthroned king or above Zion. So it's a, a place above Zion or called the heights. Uh, okay, Lord is the heights. And so I began to look at, because Lucifer says, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I, I want to go into this place called the heights. And what I did is I went in and looked at the Hebrew in this. I want to share this with you. Um, let's look at some passages and then there'll be an application to this. The heights are the fourth eye wheel. First uh, Kings chapter three, verses three and four. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David, his father. Only he sacrificed and he made offerings at the high places. Um, And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon used uh, to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. You remember this story when Solomon goes up to Gibeon? Uh, He's just been like enthroned, coronated king of Israel he goes, after that, he goes to this place in Gibeon to make a sacrifice. He slays a thousand oxen. That's in equivalency today, that would be like about a million dollars. You could figure an, a head of oxen right now. I don't know, it was about last year because or a couple years ago, I did some math on this. You're talking about $1,200 or so, probably with inflation and things that numbers went up, but it's about the equivalent of Solomon gave the Lord a million-dollar offering. And so he's making an offering to the Lord, and he, he says, the Lord says to him, basically, what do you want, or what can I give to you? And Solomon says something really interesting. 
Many of you know this story, but he, he basically has uh, come to the understanding that, that he doesn't basically know what he's doing. He doesn't know how to govern a nation. He, he's going to say he's like a little child, and he doesn't know how to govern such a great affair. And he says to the Lord, I, what I need more than anything is I need wisdom. Solomon uh, is setting, the, setting up in a, in a high place, saying that the thing that I need the most is wisdom. I, this is kind of interesting because we think, a lot of us do, that, and I don't know if you think this, I, uh, Stephen and I talked about this this week, that people think, well, we need a better marketing technique. You know, we need to use a, a greater social media presence. Um, we need this certain tech profiles. We need someone that has clout and can bring forth your name to bring forth your name. And I, I say that from a platform sense, but we all deal with this in some, in some place in our life. We deal with, if so-and-so would have heard me and listened to me, it would have opened this door and I could have done that, right? And if that person would have cared for this or if God would have cared for this, this thing wouldn't be happening in my life. We're, we're seeking something to solve the solution of our life and bring it into the next place. And um, if you're a human being, you're, we're all dealing with this to some extent how to access to the next potentiality of our life because God has in some way made us all where we would be uh, wanting to see expansion in our life, uh, both of um, seed and of land. You, you were made that way by the Lord. And of course, uh, there's so many different ways, uh, maybe there's a million of ways of expressing life or trying to get to the next a point in our own personal lives to see a blessing come. Some of you, I know, we have a few family in here looking uh, for transition of housing. Some of you are staging up uh, in your businesses for uh, your businesses to grow. Some of you are uh, looking to bring some fruitful business off the ground right now and are kind of looking at that. Um, some of you are dealing with, or we deal with relational problems, and we're wanting to see a restoration in relationship between this person and that person. And if we could just get that relationship restored and repaired, we would uh, somehow it would bring us into the next dynamic. And some of us are dealing with health-related issues. You're dealing with problems related to your uh, your physical needs. Uh, some of it's uh, your own personal need for sustenance. Uh, it can be down to the basic level. And then some of you are dealing with uh, ailments within your body. And if I could just find the right doctor or I could find the right solution, I could uh, solve uh, the problem. And I believe that what is going on is, thank you, Lord. But there's like this place, and, it, and it's called the Heights, that's this uh, doctrine, not the doctrine of the Lord, but a doctrine of technology, of, of AI, of something else is going to rescue me. Something else is going to solve this dilemma that I'm in, whether it's related to my relationship, is related to my health, is related to my, uh, my financial well-being. There's another rescue plan. 
and it's, uh, I think what the Lord is telling me, in your culture, it's, it's transmitting like it's transmitting down from the air, maybe through um, the airwaves, maybe through a lot of uh, the media and things like that, you know, the, the so-called truth media and the false media and all this media and all these airways are penetrating the soul and the mind. Trying to, I believe, just like it was with Hezekiah, trying to tell us that there's another path or another alternative or something else that's going to restore and rescue um, our situation apart from the very complete and utter trust in the Lord. That's an amen there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know, it's, it is. like, yeah, yeah, Carol, yeah, it's, yeah. Something else, just, and I, I really believe this, just like it was in Hezekiah's day, with, and I don't know if you know the story, but with Rabshakeh. Rabshakeh was like one of uh, Sennacherib's chiefs. And what he was doing, he could speak, uh, speak, I believe, in a Hebraic tongue, and he was speaking or having emissaries speak over the walls of Jerusalem and tell the people to defect. If you don't, if you stay with him, uh, speaking of uh, King Hezekiah, who is to be submitted to the Lord, if you stay with him under this kind of pressure, Go ahead and leave now because we're going to kill your men. We're going to, you know, t- take advantage of your women and take your children, and we're going to take you all into captivity. This is a real threat. And I, I want to say that the deception of today is way more insidious than that. We don't have a standing army that's arraying itself against us, at least one we can see right now. And we don't want a foreign power coming in on this soul. I mean, a lot of people think that that's going to happen. But I want to say that I believe that the Lord is sharing this with me, that something is filtering down through your atmosphere, and it's called out of the high places. It's filtering down, trying to convince us through insidious deception, just the slightest bit of breaking your integrity before the Lord and the word of the Lord has been delivered to you to get you to get off point and say, I don't know if he's gonna come through and to go and choose another path, an alternative path than the one the Lord by his word has laid out for us. It's been infiltrating our culture. It's infiltrated it to such a deceptive level that even the deception now is starting to come out in full force to attack. They're not even sort of laying back. They're really layering it on. They're not hiding in the dark anymore. Their darkness is boldly um, in our culture, in our media, in Uh, in the film industry, in the news, everywhere, boldly saying, boldly, break covenant. That's what it's saying. Violate covenant. Violate your covenant and it'll be okay. Violate covenant and we'll throw some money at you. Just violate it. Just take and compromise. And for many of us, you know, we wouldn't, you know, some of us, many of us, we wouldn't think anything of that, but it, it gets down, and I want to say that I believe it's got down into very um, idiosyncrasy, deceptive things. I mean, Jesus didn't say, take it, that you be not deceived. Uh, you know what deception is? It means you don't know. <laughs> I mean, if you're deceived, you wouldn't know that you are. 
that's a, how would you know? How would you know? And that's not to make anybody afraid. It's not to terrify us, but we could see even out of COVID-19, the response system on that. People are freely giving up freedoms pretty quick to maintain an economic basis. If it makes you mad, check your bristling heart. Because I'm I'm telling you from the Lord... Uh, from him that right now more than ever when the Holy Spirit comes to you in gentleness and speaks to you and he gives you something from him that you hold that as the most precious the most precious the most precious I don't even want to use thing but the most precious the most precious of anything that you have the very seed of God the very word of God will be held in your hand before the Lord is precious to you and you would not, for a moment's sake, compromise in your public life or your private. And that even, even in that way that, if, that we would say to the Lord, I need grace. And he said, my grace is there for you. My grace is not a license for you to go off the rails and do whatever you want. My grace will empower you to set you free from a life of sin. My grace is there and is sufficient for you so that you will find a way out that when the enemy is pressing in on you, the Lord will make a way for you. And where there doesn't seem to be a way, and how many times, and many of you have this testimony, how many times did it seem like the thing was just, there was no way, and the Lord walks you right through the midst of it. Michael in chapter 1, verse 3, for behold, the Lord is coming out of his place. (laughs) And he will come down and tread upon the high places of the earth. Um, and I love this, Second Chronicles 34, 3. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet a boy, he began to seek the God of David, his father, Josiah. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, or and the uh, ashram, and the carved and the metal images. Psalm seventy-eight fifty-eight says, "For they provoked him to anger with their high places; they moved him to jealousy with their idols." This week, I, I've been in this podcast. Uh, I think Stephen sent it to me. I, I've been in it. I've listened to it probably seven times now. Um, it's a podcast with uh, Michael Heiser and David Burnett. It's the the Naked Bible podcast, uh, one forty six. It's dealing with Paul's ascent and how he had ascended, and, and, and you know this passage in Second Corinthians, uh, chapter twelve. And I, I want to basically take today and and now that I've established this principle and talk a little bit about ascension and uh, Paul's ascension and what it and what this means in relationship to us. And so let's look at 2 Corinthians 12, um, verse 1. Actually, let's back up to 2 Corinthians eleven seventeen, and then we'll follow through. 
uh, what I say by way of this confident boasting, I say not uh, with the Lord's authority by inspiration, but as it were, I'm saying it in pure uh, witlessness is the way he puts this. He says, for since many boast of worldly things and according to the flesh, I will boast also. Paul's juxtaposing himself, making a comparison and contrasting with people that boast according to outward things or the flesh that have a certain conceitedness related to their bling bling of their day, whatever that is. You know, a lot of people have conceit based off two things. Usually it's the outward things they have or the inward thing they have. It's it, uh, some people can become very arrogant related to their own character. You know, there's a superiority related to character and then other people generally speaking, will have uh, an arrogance related to the things that they own or the things that they have and according to the flesh. And so he's saying, you know, people boast in inward development and people boast in outward development. And and he says, I'm going to glory or boast also. And so uh, he said, let me boast in this because you, you've endured a man who assumes control of your souls and what, he, what he's speaking of in that day was leadership that wanted authority over the people in a way to control them. Now, if, if you've ever been in, uh, you've probably experienced this. If you've ever been experienced the control of another human being where they control your whole person or manipulate you into doing whatever they want, he's saying that there are leadership that, wants to master over you and you've endured it. You've been okay with leadership that sets up a boast about themselves and their flesh. And then they want to use that even in their own minds. They may not even realize that they're doing it, but they're trying to control or master over people. And uh, maybe if you didn't hear last week, listen to what the Lord says to me concerning Mandela. And how I'll say in short that I will not put up with leadership that masters over my bride. Because he says that, why do you put up with someone who assumes control of you? They assume that they're in control of you. And they'll make a slave out of you. They'll devour your substance. Because what they're doing is they're preying upon you for what they can gain from you. That's that's the purpose of what they're doing even in ministry. And he said that these people are what he calls super apostles. And that was, that was sarcasm, that this kind of apostolic was not the apostolic that he believes that the Lord would impart is someone who's like, I'm going to take over you and you're going to come under my covering in this way and I'm going to basically control you so I can access the resources from you to manipulate you for my own good so I can build up myself. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And I'll tell you what, man, the Lord hates that. And it's it, it, the church, unfortunately, is rife with it. To prey upon and to deceive and to take advantage of God's people. Or is arrogant, he says, and puts on an air and will even strike you in the face. Uh, there was something that came up in the 70s called the shepherding movement. And 
I'm not anti that God raises up authority and leadership. I'm not, I don't believe that, but I do believe there is a wrong type of leadership. I, I do. I, I do believe that God has a godly leadership that he can raise up that is completely submitted to him. I believe in that. I don't want to think, you to think that I don't. Uh, I sure hope so. <laughs> and I would, I would want to be one of those kind of leaders. I, I would want to be dealt with by the Lord to the mass extent possible. To not be like this, not to be arrogant, not to put on an air. And, and you can even get one of these guys so upset that they'd even strike you. I remember years ago, I made one of my pastors really mad, and he threatened to take me outside. He wanted to, uh, he wanted to fight and I was like, you got to be kidding me. I, uh, I, I had just left the Air Force, and I go into his office. I was like, I submit myself to the Lord. I submit myself to your leadership. And I, but I said, I got a question about this and implied some kind of guilt onto him. He said, let's take it outside. And I was like, man, <laughs> I went, okay. So I was kind of like, let's do it. <laughs> we'll see who's a better man here. <laughs> You know, I mean, I was immature, but I was like, you know, I think I could take you. <laughs> uh, I didn't do that. I was like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> well, I'll strike you on the face. He, Paul goes on to say, to my discredit, I must say we've um, shown ourselves too weak. <laughs> I don't know if you understand what he's saying here, but maybe you've experienced this in life where a person isn't, is apt to take advantage of you if they think that you will let them take advantage of you. I mean, you can be so humble that somebody's like, you know what, I'm going to roll right over them. <laughs> they don't have a problem doing it. You know what I mean? Sometimes you can be so like the Lord and golly that other people are like, well, I guess this gives me the right to take advantage of them. It's like you don't know who you're messing with. You don't want to mess with the Lord's servant who has completely laid their life down for you and love you, and you're going to roll over them. That's not, a, that's not a healthy thing to do. And Paul's saying, I think I've showed you such a weakness of, I can't do anything. I'm trusting the Lord that, and then he goes on to say, he's like, I'm speaking like a foolish, witless way. <laughs> I'm trying in some kind of way to defend my apostleship and at the exact same time to let you know that this kind of weakness is a prize to the Lord and I don't want you though at the same time to think I'm trying to one-up on you by telling you this. I mean, it's a hard communication to have. And he says something that's interesting. He said, are they ministering servants of Christ? Am I talking like one beside myself? He says, I am more. I have far more extensive and abundant labor and far more imprisonment, and I've been beaten countless stripes, and I've been frequently been to the point of death. It's an interesting way to uh, justify your leadership. <laughs> I mean, the way a lot of leadership is justifies themselves, and I know because I dealt with this for years, is like, if you can bring the awesomeness um, if you can give the prophetic word, it just nails it. If you had the big platform and stage and everybody saw, you know, if you could just have the right look and the charisma 
and the whole thing. If you, when you walk into the room, everybody's like, oh. <laughs> it's idolatry. <laughs> Paul's saying, hey, it's not even like that. He's like, I'm taking, I'm taking abuse a big time. And I'm saying, he's saying, I'm saying, he's saying that this is the path. He says, five times I've received from the Jews 40 lashes but one. Carol, why are you saying this to us today? Why? Because I, I believe there's a philosophy that Paul is presenting even within himself and in, in his work in the church of bringing forth Christ's life in himself. He, he'll say this. He'll say, I won't. Um, Christ's life to be so magnified in my life that I'm submitting myself to the path of the Lord that even if suffering comes into my life, in which it, it was, my prayer is, is that the power of God will rest on me. So Paul has laid out something that Jesus will walk out that and this happens to the Lord, that humiliation will lead to exaltation. And, I, and I'd like to suggest this because that humility, and I want to put it this way from the Lord, that wisdom that is born out of humility will bring exaltation. Now, the Lord, you know, many of you heard me say this, but, you know, the Lord said to me, he says, what do you want, affliction or affection? I was like, affection. <laughs> Ask me for Wisdom. Ask me for wisdom, James 1. Ask me for wisdom, and, and I won't make you ashamed for asking me. Ask me for wisdom that can triumph over what we're going to see here that Paul deals with, the thorn. So he's, he's going to go on, he says, uh, and I'm, I'm going to skip ahead because I've got a place I need to land this, and, and then you'll see um, how this can draw this to, to where the world wants it to be today. And moving over to 2 Corinthians 12 now. Now, true, there is nothing to be gained by it, but if I'm to boast, I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. Now, just so you know, earlier he had said, that he, besides all his suffering, that he, had, that he was the seed of Abraham, that he was a true Israelite, and that, number three, that he was following Christ more than anyone. That he was after the Lord. But he says, I'm going to go on and say, I've, I'm going to boast. I've had visions and revelations. I've had ecstatic experiences. And then he, he says something interesting. He says, I know a man in Christ 14 years ago, whether he was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And what, he was caught up to the third heaven. And I know that this man, whether in the body or away from the body, I do not know. God knows. Was caught up into paradise. And he heard utterances beyond the power of man to put it even into words, uh, which man is not even permitted to utter. Of this same man, I will boast. But of myself, I will not boast, except as regards my infirmities. Now, does Paul have a split personality? Do y'all think that? And, it, and I hope that this will be helpful for you today because this is my task is to preach this, but that Paul is moving between third person and first person. In the first person, 
the first person, which would be himself in himself, he's saying that I'm going to boast in weakness. But he said of that other person, Paul, who is in Christ, I'm going to boast in him in a different way. I mean, who are these two guys? Paul in Christ and Paul in himself. It's like a, there's two different people. Um, you've heard me uh, speak about this, that I believe it was the purpose of the Lord to take the Lord's divine nature, his, um, his Christology, his very nature, and install it into our anthropos, our humanity. And I, and I want to say this because I believe for many of us, um, this other person in Christ, the one that empowered in Christ seems to be uh, in a different position than the one that we are at times. Anybody know what I'm saying? Uh, Stephen's like, you know, does he seem like he's two different guys or gals? Paul's saying in third person, that other guy, and this first person, this guy. They're like two different people. And, and, and I think that what he's trying to say is there's a mode. There's a mode of me and myself, I'm going to embrace humility. I'm going to embrace weakness. But that other guy, he's empowered because this guy <laughs> embraces humility. So his philosophy is like this. If I embrace humility that is born out of wisdom, I don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, but I eat from the tree of life, born out of the cross. It empowers the other guy. The Christ in me becomes empowered in me and activates out of me. Any of you ever had the activation of the power of God move through you and right after it, you get hit with some kind of adversity? Has that happened to anybody in here? Do you know when David, when he, when he went to Gibeon, Gibeah and he killed Goliath in front of all of Israel and, the, and he, uh, Saul sets him up as chief of a thousand guys and puts him in leadership. You know what happens to David right after that? The guy turns jealous because they're singing. You know, Saul killed his thousand, David killed his ten thousands. He becomes jealous, runs David off into a dolem for the next 14 years. David's on the run. He's a fugitive of the state. Now, here is the crux of this. And I hope this blesses you today. I've got this bifurcated guy. Which guy am I? Is the fullness of God's power dwelling in me in this human life that can activate and not get me into a mess? <laughs> can we live fully empowered by the Spirit of God? Boom. <laughs> With the Christ life in us, without any kind of a, where it's going to throw us into like whatever it does. <laughs> Paul says, um, I'll tell you what's going on with me. I'm getting in Christ, and uh, the next thing you know, the power's loading. <laughs> you know. And then, boom, <laughs> you know. What the heck? And he said uh, in verse 7, y'all know this story, and to keep me from being puffed up. 
And too much elated by the exceeding greatness or the preeminence of these revelations, there has given me a thorn or a splinter in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to rack and buffet and harass me to keep me from being excessively exalted. I want to give two things here. And we all arrange usually from one or the other. Some of us, we take on both of them. On the right is conceit. Um, and on the left is criticism. Some of us are, out of our fallenness, are, can be overly critical, and some of us from the right can be overly conceited. Now, there was a really good book written about this called Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> some of us have a tendency towards pride and arrogance and conceitedness when power delivers onto us. Some of us have an issue where we become more prejudiced and critical and judgmental concerning someone else when power delivers on us. And so what the Lord has to do is he brings affliction into our life. Why? Because I want to give you power. I want to upgrade your person with full divinity, my divinity, through your persona, you're not Jesus. He's king of the universe. I want to take and give you my Christ nature, upgrade your person, and I want you to be able to live in that reality of power moving through you without interruption. I, I, I believe that the Lord told me that this week. He, he said to me, why do you have to have a thorn? And I said, what do you mean, Lord? What do you mean? He says, I mean that you were made by me where you can actually trample the thorns. I sent it to a bunch of my guys, this passage, and let's see if I can find it or if one of y'all could tell me where it's at real quick because you commented on it to me. Do you have it? While he's doing that, so let me let me put this together. What it, what was going on is, and I and I think that what was happening with Paul was he was ascending, much like we are in the collider. He was going up, and he was seeing this instead of a bifurcated Paul that the Lord had wanted this union, this full Christ union in Himself. He wanted upload him with power and give him the power to. You got it. I knew that. I should have just said it. It was in my mind. Uh, I didn't trust the Christ in me. <laughs> so I was trusting my old self, not trusting the right guy. Um, Isaiah, let's just look at it. Maybe they brought it up on the board, but Isaiah 55, 13, I, I want to sh show you this. Instead of a thorn, there shall come up the cypress tree, and instead of a briar, there shall come up the myrtle tree. It shall be to the Lord for a name of renown, for an everlasting sign and a memorial, and it will not be cut off. He says this to me this week in my devotion time with him. He says, why do you have to have a thorn? Now, I'm going to tell you guys, you know what I mean when something pricks you, nicks you, causes you to bristle? Anybody else have this issue? Am I alone? No, I'm not. There's something, it'll get all over you. And you'll, you'll interpret it that it's another person sometimes. 
Do you know that every time that happens to you, more than likely you just did something you shouldn't have done? You've either misspoke or you've acted in a way that's not commensurate with the Lord's ways. And listen to me, you can be ignorant. For the most part, most of us are. I don't know what just happened. Next thing you know, you're spun out of control. Crash and burn, get back into your prayer life. What just happened? I don't understand. I don't know. The Lord's like, repent. You know, it's like, I don't want to repent. That's your problem. (laughs) What did I do, Lord? He comes to you and says, this is what I have a problem with. I, I have a problem. You need wisdom. Stephen said this when we met this week. He said, you know what I realize about wisdom? It's not an arrival point. Wisdom's not an arrival like you're a wise man or woman. Okay, I'm wise now. <laughs> I must be pretty special. You're right back into conceit again. <laughs> you're conceited again. I'm so wise, I can see right through you, and you're criticizing somebody, right? That's not wisdom. The wisdom eats from the tree of life. It doesn't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Wisdom is this precious love of God. You, this presence of God, it washes into your frame. It's, he's so loving. It's like a little child of full dependency, and at the same time, the, the understanding of something is so far complex all at the same time. Wisdom comes and it lights up your understanding and reveals paths. And you're like, how could I even know that? It it won't even be there. And then it will. It's in the place of submission and godly rest. And that we can have this um, wisdom from the Lord. Why does it matter? And this is in this fourth I will. Because the Lord wants the high places tore down. Why? Why? Because he doesn't want a thorn. He's not ordained a thorn for us in this end time move. He's ordained himself. (laughs) That Christ would fully fill you and tabernacle in union inside of us. He's ordained that we would triumphant, be triumphant over the thorns and cast the powers down to the earth where they belong. He's ordained that we would have and eat perpetually from the tree of life from now on. That no longer, no longer will we bristle. Someone says something to you, it doesn't knock you off, of course, or you do something, you're not, you're quick, you just, no, that's wrong, something's off, I feel that I'm out of order. It just quickly turn back to the Lord and look at him, feast your eyes on him, quickly, Abba. My father, father. It's not ordained for you to deal with affliction all your days. It's not. It's not. I I tell you from the Lord, because he said it to me as clear as day. He said, you have misinterpreted the thorn. You've said it was someone else or this other situation. It has nothing to do with them. You have pointed a finger at the wrong place. You have thought that the thorn was this or that. And he says, and and we remember what Paul will say. He says, you're not wrestling with flesh and blood. Listen, your issues and mine, they're not flesh and blood. It's, It's the powers of the air. Now, I'm not saying they don't enter in through flesh and blood. The enemy can use other people to throw you. But you don't have to be thrown anymore. You can be seated on a throne. 
over the thorn. Uh, what is this? Well, what are you saying? This is, this is a star child company. This is an end time move of God. This is Revelation 12. And it says, uh, and, I, and I read this last week and it said, and she brought forth a man child or in the word said, you'll, you'll call this star child in your generation, one who's destined to shepherd or rule the nations with an iron staff or scepter. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled, the one who births the child into the wilderness for 1260 days, 42 months. That's three and a half years. Then a war breaks out in heaven. Michael and the angels went forth to battle the dragon. The dragon and the angels fought, but they were, they were defeated. And there were no more room found for them in the heaven any longer. Why? Because an end time people, an end time people, because of what the Lord has done at the cross, that the one sacrifice that he made, his own self, has so integrated his nature into us that when you see us, you see him. And no longer the thorn knocking us. Boom, yeah. Oh, oh, and having to get back. No, why? Because this greater wisdom, this wisdom that comes by the power of the Holy Spirit has so infiltrated our very own consciousness that we live above the thorns. It's not for you. And I want to I wanna say this because the words, may, he'll make this real practical. This coming week and the weeks to come forward, when you get knocked, or if you do, if something throws you for a loop, and you'll know because you'll spiral and it'll be all colluded in your mind, you feel like you're in a... I don't want, I want you to hear me from the Lord. I don't want you to blame someone else. And I don't want you to blame your circumstance. I want you to ask the Lord, instead of blame casting and blame shifting, I want you to ask the Lord, come before him and ask him, what is going on? And let him, I know for me, star child is born, very next day or day after I get knocked. And I'm like, how could this be? How could this be? <laughs> he brings me up early in the morning. He comes and he speaks to me. He says, this area. And I said, oh, no, I didn't even know. He said, that's right. I love you. Like, there's no condemnation here. I want you to agree with me. I did. I just said, you know what? Forgive me. P please forgive me. I got off track. I, I want you to know no matter, no matter what, if you just go to the Lord, he's so gracious. And he'll tell you the truth. Like, he'll tell you exactly like it is. But he's, he's loving. He's not going to make it hard. And this is what we do. And I'm going to tell you how to, from the Lord, how you deal with this. You can deal with this ahead of time, and this is how we're going to close this event out. We can ask him for wisdom. We can do the very same thing. Your problem that you're having is not actually a financial, health, or relational issue. Oh, yeah, I mean, it is. But the solving of that issue isn't going to come by going after the health protocol, the wealth protocol, or the uh, relational protocol. The way that it's going to come is by asking the Lord for wisdom. Because that's what Solomon does. He goes up to the high place. 
he sacrifices to the Lord. And when he does, the Lord says, what do you want? And Solomon says, I don't know how to deal with this. He's like, exactly, you don't. Um, let me give you wisdom. Let's all stand together. I felt really bad for Paul this week. Paul as a pioneering apostle. I, I said, Lord, I mean, the thorns stay with him until the end of his days and he had his head cut off. And, and you know, the Lord speaks to me and he says, Paul, done what I asked him to do. He said, if Paul would have went on with, this was an interesting thing, but he said, if he would have went on and he had received fully what I'm going to do in this end time generation, I would have come back in his generation. Because it says in Acts 3.21 that Jesus is retained in the heavens until the restoration of all things. What is this? God is looking for a qualitative life of himself in a people. And when it gets to a point where he, the father sees that it looks just like his son, he's going to split the eastern sky. I felt bad for Paul because I was like, he's going around and defending his apostleship and he had the revelation of this, this message, this message of Christ in you, the hope of glory. And yet Paul couldn't fully attain in his generation because if the word would have allowed him to, 2000 years of church history would have been erased. None of us would even be alive right now. The Lord would have come back in his generation because Paul would have become so transfigured that he would have glorified. And in his glorified state, it would have, the onus would have been on the Father because the restoration of all things would have been intact. He would have come back. If you don't know what I mean, listen to uh, podcast X2M82 on Ek Anastasin and, and listen to that message. It's on a, a SoundCloud. It was called The Out-Resurrection because there's a transfiguration that happens in us of such a kind that Christ fully dwelling in us in full operation and power is, is the vision of the Father for us. The same, very same, the very same that his son has now post-death, post-resurrection, but as the ascended one sitting at the right hand of the Father. I hope you can hear what I'm saying. This isn't, this is God wants a people, an ascended people that looks like him now. Not just in his death and burial, and not just in his resurrection, but also in his ascension. This is very important because it's in his ascension that he went up through the atmosphere and is waiting at the right hand of the Father until every enemy, every enemy that he's triumphed over right now in the air, but that very same triumph is in you and me. He wants his triumph on the ground. The Father wants his triumph for all of us. He didn't just want it for the one man, he wants to give it to all of his children. What kind of father would he be if he wanted to just leave us vacant of the beauty of what the Lord paid for at the cross? He paid for you to, he paid for you. That all the high places would be torn down. 
the high places in our heart, the things that have caused conceitedness and criticism, the high places that have caused pride and prejudice, the high places of the right and the left of the tree of knowledge of uh, good and evil, that they would be vacated out of our very own consciousness and our very own soul. And that is the purpose of today's event. Vacate. I'm out of me. I want no more part of it. And do you agree with me? The Lord has paid for this for us. All right, let's receive from the Lord. I ask you for wisdom, Father. I ask you for wisdom. I ask you for wisdom that triumphs over the thorn. I ask you to give me wisdom that would connect right to your very own heart. And that this power that you've placed in me that will reside in me and will continually transfer out of my life. I pray for wisdom of how to navigate with your life running my frame. Yes, Lord. It's as simple as that. What about my past? I don't know if that's coming up with you. The word tells me it's coming up. What about the future? I'm gonna tell you there's no wisdom in that concept. The what about the past and what about the future does not possess wisdom. It, it, it just doesn't. If the Lord tells you deal with something related to your past because it's not been right, deal with it. But, it, but today, while it is called today, Wisdom is now. Wisdom isn't in the past and wisdom isn't in the future. Wisdom is present. It's very important to understand that about wisdom, loading wisdom into your frame. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father, from above. It comes down from the Father of light in whose shining there's no variation, no more shadow person. The great philosophers, the great psychologists, the shadow dimension. There's no shadow in him. There's no variable in him. There's no turning in him. Do I give in to a shadow personality? No. Do I give in to a shadow of what I used to be in years gone by? No. I give in to one, one covering me, one, one running my frame. One man, one, one life, the, the very life of God, the very Christ of God in me. Christ in me, this hope of glory. Let no one say when he's tempted that he's tempted from God, for God is incapable of being tempted by evil, and he himself will not tempt you. But every person is tempted when they're drawn away and enticed and baited by their own evil desire. And then when evil desire is conceived, it will give birth to sin and that fully matured will bring forth uh, death. Do not be misled, my beloved brethren, that every gift is coming down from the Father of life. 
And it's of his own free will that he gave us birth by the word of truth so that we should be called the first fruits of his creatures, the ones that come from himself. Understand that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. But if you ask the Lord for wisdom, he will give it to you graciously without any shame. Yes, Lord. Oh, I don't have to live with a thorn. <laughs> I can live, you can live with affection. <laughs> it don't always have to be affliction. Because of what he's done, we triumph. <laughs> and tread down the thorns. Tread them underfoot. While Stephen and Austin are playing, just come forward and then we'll take communion together. Who is this coming out of the With a face as the moon, she outshines the sun, pure and spotless one. You have captured me with one glance, captivated I am entranced, and shake off the dirt of the world. Come away with me to a hidden place. I will clothe you with joy.
it says in Revelation 12 that the star child, man child will uh, rule with a rod of iron. Uh, last week, the Lord said something to me that was interesting. He said, I'm building a, a star caster blaster uh, for my people. And I was like, oh, is that the rod of iron? And, and, and hear this out. And he says, yes, I, I won't. I don't want you just to be assaulted by the thorn. I want you to assault the thorn. I want you to see it before it comes. I want you to see your enemy and I want to employ an offensive tactic out of you against your enemy. I don't wanna just have a people that are on the defense. I wanna place you on the offense. So when the, the guy with the thorns is coming for you, you just pick up your, your Starcaster Blaster. And boom, 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 take some of that. And when he's hurling his hailstone at you, you'll hurl back at him. Listen, this is, this is the path that we're on. I, I didn't mean for you to be ruled. I meant for you to rule. I meant for you to be an authority. I want to give you a power from me in my life that can recognize your enemy. And pop off, pop them off. I said, man, that's interesting. I, I was so caught up in star child being born, I didn't know the Lord's gonna put a star caster blaster in his hand. <laughs> Take that devil. <laughs> There's a joy in that, and I can see that in your faces. There's a joy in not being overrun by the thorn and not coming right up against you, but you being triumph over it and seeing it for what it is and not being afraid, not being intimidated and no longer being conceited and no longer being critical, but out of love. Habakkuk 3.4, he is as bright as lightning. A two-pronged lightning bolt flashes from his hand. This is the outward display of his power. When we closed last week, Karen Main comes up to me and she gives me this verse. And I said, Lord, I, I know that's you. I get up the next morning. He says, you'll call today's event Quantum Pulse because I'm going to build a pulser of some kind, I said, I don't know what it is. He said, it's the Starcaster Blaster. And I go in and I look up the etymology of this word, the two-pronged lightning bolt. And you know what it is in Hebrew? Karen. <laughs> That's, it's literally spelled and pronounced, not K-A-R-E-N, but Q. E-R-E-N or something like that. It's spelled and I pronounced Karen. And I knew the Lord was saying, I'm telling you, I'll put weapons of my warfare that are not carnal. I'll put weapons back into my people's hands. Oh, oh man. 
Thank you, Lord. That out of my affection, you don't have to suffer with affliction. That out of my love, you can see clearly. Oh, you can see me. I believe you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. The victory, the victory is yours. down every thought and everything that presents itself against the knowledge of God. Let every thought be taken captive to the greater obedience to the very will of the Lord for you. Casting down every imagination everything that exalts itself against the very knowledge of the Lord. Oh, casting down. Cast out. Oh. took bread and broke it and said this is my body which is broken for you to the sin remembrance of me and this is the blood of the new covenant which is poured out for you to the sin remembrance of me This is a victory. This is a victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. This is a victory. This is a victory. Overcomes the world. 
even our faith. you may the Lord keep you may the Lord make his face shine upon you be gracious to you may you have peace the Lord bless you the Lord keep you the Lord make his face shine on you the Lord be gracious to you the Lord write his name on your forehead filled with peace. the night. 